Hello, everybody, and welcome to In Response To, where we talk about stories and what makes them good. And How why? are you, Alec? I'm good, <laughs> Thomas. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Um, we are going to get into this podcast in a second, but I just want to catch up real quick yeah. um, before things get rolling. Yeah, How's we it did, going? It's good. I'm doing well. It's midterm season, which is not a fun season. So nope. uh, I'm discovering that a lot of times uh, when I take large amounts of caffeine to fuel my body because I'm not sleeping and I need to study rather than keeping me awake. It just increases my heart rate while keeping me just as exhausted. So mm-hmm. I'm exhausted with like my heart, you know, beating out of my chest while I'm trying to study literature or something like that. So that, when I took Adderall, <laughs> it was terrible. Did you take Adderall? I took it one time. It was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> was it prescribed to you or was it like your friend? No, no. <laughs> was this college? No, no. You, was it like yeah. desperate college oh, years? I was absolutely in college and there was some like, it was freshman year and there was a literature paper due or something like that. And uh, my roommate had ADHD and just, uh, I was like, man, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I'm just running off coffee now and it's not doing anything and you know, basically how everyone else does it for the first time. And, uh, yeah, he's like, just take half of this one and see what happens. And I took it and felt like my heart was going to beat out of my chest and I nice. uh, just got super like jittery and I stayed up all night and sure enough, finished the thing, but did not sleep. And yeah, that was terrible. That sounds horrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't recommend it. So are you a uh, are you like a rock star drinker or Red Bull or what's your coffee? What's your I, energy? Choice? Yes, yes to all of those. <laughs> I'm a fan of every. Uh, I I do. I like coffee. It's a little bit harder to make in a dorm room because uh, coffee grounds get everywhere, and I have to boil water by microwaving it. Cause I don't have a hot pot yeah. or anything like that. So coffee, if I'm feeling like really fancy. Uh, but if I just need something Fancy. quick and if I need something quick and dirty, I'll go for like a, a Rockstar or a Amp or a Red Bull. A- anything yeah. that's not Monster. Monster is mm-hmm. awful. It's true. It's basically piss water. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yep. Not zero zero interest in that. But I've been having a lot of those recently. It's been a blast. It's really been great yeah. for my sleep schedule and my heart oh, yeah, and my sure. mind and my body. Yeah. Yeah, it Mid- doesn't do anything negative at all. No, to it's completely or... net positive. <laughs> well, I got the chance to go uh, visit my family down in Florida. My brother was in town from the Isle of Man, which for everyone listening is off the coast of Scotland. Is that, um, wait, 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 wait. Is that where, so A, that's why we didn't get to record. The, that's why we missed yeah. a week after our triumphant return because somebody had to go visit his stupid family. Yeah. Uh, but is that where your brother lives? It is, yeah. He uh, wicked. He lives there with his uh, family, which consists of my niece and nephew, and um, yeah, and they're pretty freaking amazing. This is actually the first time I got to meet him, uh, and they're four and two. So get Cute. this: my nephew is wicked smart, and I don't say that like, uh, like, you know, Goodwill Hunting. Um, Will in the movie is gifted, right? Like he's astronomically smart and self-taught and everything. Um, uh, this kid, so he's three going on four very soon. Uh, and he's operating as if he were in, oh, it's hard to make the conversion, but essentially like he's operating at like a six year old level. Holy Um, cow. What a kid to read, taught himself to count up to over a hundred by himself, um, taught himself the ABCs to the point that he'd never actually touched any letters. And when they gave him these little toy letters, um, he lined them up perfectly, like cap, like the capital version and the undercase version, um, and did not make a mistake for 26 plus 26. So, uh, you know, he could do the math better than me, but 52, <laughs> 52, 52. letters. Um, it took me a second too. Uh, yeah. And he just lined them up all perfectly and it, it's, it's incredible. Like the kid is, the kid is so gifted that it's borderline. Well, it is uh, special needs. Like he can't go into their version of kindergarten, um, in September because he's already just stupid far ahead of all the stuff they'll be doing. So, um, 
Yeah, so it was good to meet him uh, and good to talk through things with my brother about what they're planning to do for uh, him. And uh, but yeah, just he's amazing. My niece. Uh, wait, hold. But what what you're saying in effect about your your nephew? Yeah, is that either he's going to like cure cancer, or in like 25 mm-hmm. years he's going to be like our overlord with an iron fist? Um. Well, so like a like a super he... villain. Yeah, well, so either he will do that, um, or he'll just be flipping burgers. Like they did, there was a study on this done where uh, they tested these kids, and the test basically puts them at uh, different gifted levels. So, like a gifted one would be like somebody who takes all APs in high school. So, like a one on the scale is uh, already, you know, advanced, and. Um, they tested kids that were at a four and a five level, uh, or they, they tested four kids that were operating at a four or a five level, which is profoundly, and I forget what the other one is, but it's profoundly gifted as five. Um, and then they followed them in a case study over the course of, you know, their lifetime. It was a, um, whatever like, that's called. Yeah. I, the, there's a psychological term <laughs> for know, that where you follow the, that, I know thing. what you're talking about. Um, and if you hear a, anything rattling in the background, that's my dog Bailey shaking her toy. So she just tears that. things to shreds. Yeah. It's the best. Um, <laughs> so, uh, they test these kids and if they're on, they, they, they found these kids that were all, you know, operating at this crazy level and followed them for their lifetime. Uh, one guy ended up being like an amazing math professor and researcher and went on to do just incredible things. Uh, he's probably like the most world renowned math professor in the world right now. And, um, one of the other guys is literally, like he literally went on to flip burgers. Like that's not a joke. And it's just because one was accelerated. Um, and the other was just put in with rather regular classes and got bored and dropped out. Uh, and so that's kind of the concern. And Matthew, my brother is dealing with whether or not to accelerate him or, um, or may, maybe like how to accelerate him is a better question. Like right. he can't really be with six year olds, um, being a three year old right now. Uh, and so they're just going to figure that out. That's a conundrum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was awesome to see him. And my, uh, my niece, Emily is amazing too. Uh, and she, uh, she has a lot more attitude than Ken does. And, um, but she's awesome. And, kids, uh, I, kids with sass are the best yeah. kids. And if you follow me on all the socials, there's a great picture of me um, reading bedtime stories to them. Uh, and Ken picked me to do that, which was pretty great. I saw that picture. Awesome. I saw that picture because yeah. I, I didn't know why you were going to Florida because you yeah. didn't tell me because apparently I'm not close enough for you to tell me these things we only talk for this hour of time this is true (laughs) but i was like oh this is probably a work thing and then i saw that picture on facebook or on twitter wherever the heck i saw it and i'm like that's that's good conversation bait for the podcast that'll be a good stuff to talk about (laughs) yeah so i like it i like it it's super cool glad that you got to (laughs) enjoy time with your family and your future super villain nephew and your super sassy niece i love it yeah me too it was great well, so this week, what are we talking about? This week, we are talking about uh, the short story, uh, and it's a mouthful. So uh, the short story is called Sinner, Baker, Fabulist, Priest, Red Mask, Black Mask, Gentleman, Beast by U.G. Foster. Um, it was published in Apex Magazine on August 3rd, 2009, uh, and it actually won an award uh, at the end of the year at one of the Science Fiction Awards for uh, Best Novella of the Year. Um so that's, that's what cool. we're talking about. Um, I, I love, I love, I love this <laughs> short story so much. Um, Yuji Foster is uh, one of my favorite authors. Um, she sadly passed away a couple years ago, um, but she just consistently put out some of the best uh, and most interesting science fiction and fantasy short fiction that I had ever read. Um, and I read this story because uh, I heard one of her stories on a podcast that does audio fiction short stories. Um, and I was really intrigued by the writing style and stuff like that. And I found this one because, you know, they mentioned that it had won either a Hugo or a Nebula for best novelette of the year. And, uh, I read it and I loved it. Uh, I read it a couple times when I first read it. 
Um, and then when we were starting up this podcast like a year ago, a little bit more than mm-hmm. a year ago, um, you know, I was trying to think of other things that we could talk about other than like, uh, you know, movies or TV shows or video games and stuff like that, you know, short stories and books and things like that. Uh, and when I did, I actually went back and re-listened to the podcast that I heard that turned me on to UG Foster. And maybe we'll do an episode on that at some point. But I remember just how good Sinner Baker Fabulous Priest was. And I knew that we like had to do an episode about it because I think there's a lot to lot to talk about here. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I read it for the first time when you first talked about it. Um, and I think we were we were scheduled to do one, you know, before we had all the mishaps before. So glad we could get back to it um and uh yeah this is a this is a um an artsy piece you it's brought real to artsy us, Alec. yeah this is a <laughs> on the same like i mean uh i don't know how you know uh, i'm not very into the arts world but um for me it hits the same you know super arty vein as the battery did where it's pretty obscure and uh you know there's not gonna be many people that have already read this thing unlike pulp fiction maybe um but yeah so for me it was definitely out of my typical wheelhouse and i enjoyed it um i liked it i I mean i i really liked it and i was also just you know a lot of the themes i was taken aback to and were quite shocking so i'm sure we'll dive into those but overall enjoyed it yeah it's worth reading this is definitely not going to be one of the major traffic attractors to our podcast um just, just like with one of the many great in the archives exactly <laughs> right like our most played episode is by far pulp fiction followed followed very very closely by um ender's game because those are really big big things and I, and I think those are great to talk about in their own right but i i knew going into this that this is not going to be a super popular episode for like discovery um but i think this short story has so much to talk about and so much really amazing imagery and symbolism and stuff like that that i just like i couldn't resist talking about it yeah i mean that's what we're here for that's what we're here for we're here to show <laughs> we're not you not cool here for the mainstream like top of the you know charts whatever we're here for talking about cool neat things that we're really interested in yeah yeah so i just kind of wanted to lay the groundwork uh for what this story is kind of about um just to kind of make sure that you know we we're you know operating on the same level and figure out you know what it is but uh the basis of this short story uh is that in there's it's super super far in the future uh, and everybody wears masks all the time. It's it's mm-hmm. a crime to have be seen in public without a mask. Uh, and if you take it off before the set time at night that you're supposed to take it off, that is a crime. And it, but not everybody has one mask. Everybody has multiple masks. They have you know sometimes tens or hundreds. Um, and each mask is a separate personality, completely independent from one another. So who you are when you're wearing one mask is not the same as who you are when you're wearing another one. So you could have one mask where you're married to somebody and then the next day you put on a different mask and you're the enemy of that same person and you like kill them or things like that. Right. Yeah. And you can't die in like you don't permanently die when you're wearing the mask. If you die, like the mask might die, but the person on the citizen, as they say, underneath does not. Um, And that was an interesting thing. Um, I had a lot that I highlighted um, on the first time around and then a lot that I highlighted on the second time around, too. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm happy to dive into this however you want to structure this talk. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that's that's the, the basics of it. And uh, then, you know, our, our main character gets introduced to this girl who rejects uh, everything about this society. Um, Can I just ask? I yeah, need go to ahead. ask you one thing. Go ahead. Um, do you think that our protagonist, our, our main character in this story, is a male or a female? That's a good question. That's one of my favorite things about this story. Gender yeah. isn't a thing in the future. Because it's so Fairly far not. in the future, like, we can resurrect people. Um, we can infuse these masks to have almost, like, char- like personalities and characteristics that, like, govern how Oversouls. you think. Yeah. yeah, they call them oversouls. So if you put on yeah. a mask that's, you know, this... If you put on a male mask, you're a male. If you put on a female mask, you're a female. And it actually almost, like, alters your biology to accommodate that. Right. But when you take off the mask, or if somebody is maskless, uh, they don't have a gender. 
um, they you the people are so accustomed to having you know you don't you don't ever see somebody without one that certain people can be a male on one day and then a female on the next, and so I yeah. think either you know humans are different and maybe they're androgynous completely and then one mask like shifts them one way or the other um that's i think that is what it is but it, it the thing is that our char- our main our hero or heroine um is seen as both a male and quote unquote male and female within this story which i think is right. so 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 interesting um the fact that there's no genders and so there's this whole idea where the the girl and i'm putting that in quotes um, who is a girl underneath everything. He, the main character has met her as a male in the past, has met her multiple times because she's been following him and watching him, which I thought was interesting. Right. And you don't even really know if she is a she, right? Like, that's just what our character, our main character who we're privy to all the information from is just assigning that gender because that's what he or she knew her as last um so that is just the easiest go-to pronoun really but you don't really actually know because the character the main character is very confused in and of itself um yeah yeah it's 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 that classic like uh you know uh unaware participant of a complete dystopia becomes aware of the fact that the society that they're the society that they're living in is like totally flawed yeah. And then starts this revolution. Um, and I, I want to talk about that, you know, a little bit later. But one of the one of my favorite things about science fiction and particularly, you know, speculative fiction and things like this um, are the way that it kind of turns a, like a funhouse mirror to our current society and reflects a lot of things that we're dealing with now in a like exaggerated and fantastical way to make yeah. you critically look at your own society. And I, that's one of the things that I, I think, you know, as like dystopian fiction has got more and more popular, I'm seeing less of this. It's now just it's now just a setting, you know, just like how vampires used to be like really interesting, and then they got so overused they just became mm-hmm. just background. They just I'm seeing Twilight. that they just became right like post Twilight, <laughs> they just became uninteresting. Yeah. And I'm seeing now like post Hunger Games dystopias are becoming just like the most popular mm. thing. Uh, and there isn't like a lot of meat on the bones, but that's not true of this dystopia. And this dystopia, the way that it makes me critically assess our current society mirrors the way that the main character comes to realize the fact that their society is flawed. Interesting. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because at the start of the story, they have no problems with the fact that everybody wears masks all the time and that you're a different person and that you can, that's just how it works. Um, yeah. And then when they realize that this is actually, like, really kind of sick and twisted in the fact that, you know, uh, people don't, like, have sex unless there's pheromones there. Mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, there's, there's no, there is this idea of self that's been stripped from everybody. Uh, and this idea that, you know, people are putting on different masks to look at different situations. And so as the character realized that, it made me start thinking about the fact that our society can be a bit that way sometimes where you have to act yeah. differently around different people. And yeah. so I loved that, that the dystopia was so very obviously influenced by some of the downfalls of our current, you know, American society, but right, being in yeah. this like far flung sci-fi nature. That's what, that's, that's why, that's what made me fall in love with sci-fi in the first place was like, it's critical and thought provoking element that often comes along with the genre. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, we're going into these stories and we're like, yeah, this is a great story and we really enjoyed this. And um, But really, I think one of the biggest... Um one of the biggest things that point to a good story is when it has meaning in our regular everyday lives. And this one kind of hits it on the nose, right? I mean, I don't know how you thought about this, but I thought about the mass as kind of how we treat labels on people. Like, you know, last, last podcast, I labeled you as a hipster and lots of jokes about that. Um, and, and there's, there's different, you know, like I take on different labels all the time. Like, I take on nerd sometimes and I'll take on, uh, you know, Colorado dude sometimes depending on where I'm at. And, um, all these different things come with certain assumptions about you. And, um, and it's absolutely true that in different situations, I'm going to act differently. Like when I'm hanging out with 
you or with, you know, uh, some best friend of mine, I'm much more chilled and re- relaxed. And when I'm at work, I'm uh, mildly different. I don't know if I'm terribly different, but uh, at least I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll mark my words a little bit more and I'll, uh, you know, be a little bit more corporate, I guess is the word. Um, oh, speaking of, I need to tell you something. Um, anyways, <laughs> but yeah, so I think that this, uh, this story really, uh, points to a lot of great things uh, and it mocks a lot of great things in our society or a lot of interesting things in our society. So. Yeah, I, I really like that. Um, and, and one of, one of my favorite things too, is that it, um, it explained the way that this society came about. Uh, And that's something that's glazed over a lot of times, you know, like a lot, you know, I mean, you look at like Blade Runner is a good example. The world of Blade Runner is like pretty horrible, but we don't have a history as to why it came to be that way. It's really the same thing, you know, with, I mean, like uh, the Hunger Games explain it a little bit, but like, we don't really get to see, you know, it's, it's just the world is bad because the author says that it's bad and that's just <laughs> like a plot device. And that's, that's fine. That's not, I'm not criticizing any work that does that. Um, mm-hmm. But there's this awesome moment in Sinner Baker, Fabulous Priest, where the main character puts on the mask of the very first queen, who is the, the queen who pretty much united the globe and instituted this idea of masks. And she, she, she uh, was one of the few people who, you know, who, could still die uh, after, you know, the technology to basically just bring people back from the dead and stuff was discovered. And so she had this mask made that would carry all of her memories and Mm -hmm. basically show the truth of the world to whoever wore it and they were going to, you know, seal it under her castle. And the main character finds this mask and puts it on and you, you, in, in a span of like maybe four very short, like three sentence paragraphs, Mm -hmm. it's revealed to the reader what happened. So she started, the first queen started by, like, unifying these people. And uh, they were discovering, you know, uh, the, all this technology that would, like, cure illnesses and keep people from dying and things like that. Right, right. But as it continued, she found that, you know, her, her servants or basically her concubines were, like, fighting amongst themselves over her. And they were making factions and they were still killing each other despite the fact that we had this technology that could alleviate you know any need for violence and you know anything could be fixed they were still fighting with each other well it ended the natural causes of death right yes exactly it, it didn't end the human causes exactly exactly and so because of that she she felt like the the best way to keep that from happening would be to make people have these masks that would mm-hmm. disassociate them from each other so there would there would be no more grudge holding or if there was grudge holding, it would be sectioned off and allowed for one facet of their personality in this one mask. And then when they wore another mask, they would have to be civil towards each other because they're like basically separate people. Yeah. And and then, you know, that was also when her scientists discovered the fact that they could imprint uh, ideas and emotions and feelings onto these masks that would even further change who you are while wearing them. And so by seeing all this... I kind of, it made sense why this system was implemented. You know, if I hadn't got that, the whole time I'd be like, well, why the heck did we start wearing masks in the first place? That doesn't really make any sense. But seeing this, this, you know, who, she, the queen could have been turned into this like totalitarian evil person who was just trying to oppress the people, but she was actually like good at heart and she was trying to do what's right. And after she died, that was when it spun out of control and turned into this awful society that we had. But her heart was in the right place. And I thought that was really kind of integral to the story. Yeah, you get the feeling like that you would make a lot of the same decisions if, you know, if you were the uh, emperor of all and you're saying, oh, cool, with this, I can save my entire kingdom uh, from never... The, the line is, my scientists have conquered our only remaining enemy, time. Uh, and I thought that was, like, you know, I'm right there with her. You know, it, it, that's, that's the goal of, I think, almost every human is to fight against time and to figure out how to get more of it. And, um, and she found a way to do it. And you're kind of like, you know, 
you already know a lot of the context of what happens after, but you can totally see that line of thought of this is what I want to do. And then, uh, and then she keeps going and she figures out, Oh yeah. So there's still death because you know, all these people are killing each other. So let's make a way that people can still kill each other, but not actually. So, um, yeah, you know, you're, you're brought into her mindset, which is what these masks do. And, I thought it was really neat that you can totally like play along and follow her train of thought and understand. And you're right. I think a lot of stories, uh, these dystopian stories rob you of that ability. You know, I love a good orange origin story, which is why a lot of the, uh, you know, superhero movies and stuff like that really grabbed me. Um, because origin stories are the best and we actually get one here um and i think we get a really interesting one particularly for the you know the dystopian genre Um, yeah you know i mean you look at v for vendetta which i'm not sliding v for vendetta uh that'd be a great thing to do an episode on but in v for vendetta the government is just bad because they're bad that's how they are they're oppressive and they're doing experiments and they're just corrupt evil people and i don't sympathize for them and so that makes for a better antagonist but it made for a more interesting world for me to be able to understand the thought process. And every step of the way, I was like, yeah, that's good. That's a good decision to make. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it was really, you know, only until, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty that you realize that a- actually they were bad decisions. But in the moment, they were the right thing to do and what I think most people would have done when presented with those situations. Which I yeah, think so makes it's... the story scarier because right. you can completely <laughs> understand why this system has been implemented. And so it's this awesome look at good intentions having awful outcomes. Mm-hmm. Cause you're like, Oh, I, I if given those situations, you know, given those options those scientific advances, I don't know if I would have done differently. And then that decision would have led to this just awful society. Yeah. What's the saying? The road to evil is paved with good intentions. Yep. Um, so I want to dive into the, the fact of, that this society is wrong. What do you think actually makes this society wrong? Like, what is the flaw? For me, the flaw is, I think by stripping down this sense of self, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, it does exactly what you see happen on thousands of internet comment sections all the time. Is that if you strip out the personal oh, yeah. aspect to it and you put up this like front of, anonymity basically there's no repercussions for any of your actions which not only does that make it incredibly easy to do bad things but it makes it incredibly unfulfilling to do good things yeah you know so if you you know you know you can you can kill somebody in this world and you'll be resurrected the next day and they just won't have that mask that they had and you there's no consequences for you because the next day you're a different person and it doesn't matter But then it also robs any sense of achievement because if you do something great or you find somebody that you love, not only are you not going to be the same person the next day, but neither are they. And so Mm -hmm. by stripping this like core sense of self and core sense of identity from the people, it just removes just the soul and passion from anything that they do and just creates a society filled with nothing but like murderers and just like adulterous lust that has nothing to do with love. It's all to do with the physical act of sex that you have to have a pheromone there in order to even get aroused right. for. Like there's, there's nothing personal, which is like, I think the whole point of living is to relate to other people and love other people. And this, yeah. this, this, everything is just stripped away from that by having all these masks. And I think what the queen did that was the fatal flaw is she destroyed the need for competition. Um, which is what I think and what I believe is the drive for, you know, humanity to be, sometimes it can rear itself into horrific things. Like in this situation, they're all killing each other because they want to have sex with the queen. Um, but you know, if you destroy all competition like that, then you also destroy all the will to be better, like to improve and to conquer things and everything else that makes humans great um and so i think by by destroying that competition and destroying that sense of self-worth uh the queen created a society where there nothing 
I don't know, it doesn't dive too much into what else is going on in the society, but at no point was anybody doing anything except for having sex, killing each other, making masks, or refining materials to make masks, right? Right. And so, well, and I mean, um, the main character was very briefly mentioned to be a baker, but they weren't doing that because they love baking. They were doing that yeah. because that's what their mask was telling them to do or what their who their mask's personality was. Right. So I would venture to guess, and this is totally an assumption, but that there hadn't been any technological improvements since the first mask was made. Oh, probably uh, not. No. Because why, why would there be? Right. You know? Because, yeah, it's, it's basically the worst parts of, like, the YouTube comment section mixed <laughs> with all of the bad parts of communism. Yeah. Like, there's no drive. Yeah. Like you said, like, I, I love that, you know, there's no drive to do anything because mm-hmm. not only do you not get to reap the benefits, but nobody else does. And, and the next day you're a different person. Like, there's there's no reason to do good. So the only thing you should do are either bad things with no repercussions or completely selfish things. You only right. work because your mask is telling you to. So, yeah, there, there's no passion for anything. There's no drive. There's, you know, you know, I mean, in... in our world, if you really love science, you're going to, you know, like try to research and help further science. If you really love writing, you're going to work at becoming a writer where, but if mm-hmm. there, there's no reason to do any of that in this world and it just strips it of all, I think it, it, it strips it of everything beautiful. Right. And, and in those, those fields, like if you want to be a doctor, you're going to be compensated for the work that you do as a doctor, um, which actually, so this very thing happened in England. Uh, they, decided to take away the incentive of you know uh the the vast extra amount of um money that doctors gained and they all left they all went to canada america france like they all just left the country because there was no reason for them to stay there and um just get paid this minimal amount and so yeah so i thought that was really a really neat point. So the next thing I was hoping to talk about is the resistance uh, and the movement led by, or the the movement that we were introduced to by Pena, um, or however you say her name. Pena? Um, Pena? I don't know. <laughs> I wanted to say Pena, uh, but there's Let's actually no... I like that. It doesn't matter. All right. But there's no thing over the end, so I guess it's... No tilde. Pena's fine. I like Pena. Anyways. Yeah, so so this resistance, what I know of it is it's formed, or at least <clears throat> it's organized by mentor and recruit. So um, whoever first started it um, realized something was wrong, took off the mask, and decided not to play this game anymore, and then went out and recruited somebody. And now the way that they pass information is that they're only aware of their mentor and the person that they recruit. So there's only a link between three of them. Uh, And then, so while information travels slow, which is what they mention, it's very, very safe because they don't fully know the organization. Um, Yeah, worst case scenario, three out of the probably numerous members get taken out. uh, And then, so, you know, I mean, you, you figure you probably had the core group at the start, but there's so many degrees of separation from them now, there's no way to trace it back to them, which, like, keeps the order intact even if somebody gets found out well so this is part of the piece right is that um if so they've they've compensated for one part of this link where if a recruit is caught then uh they just go get another recruit right but we we see the flip side of that where a mentor gets caught and gets killed um and then our main character is now uh at least i presume completely disconnected yeah, uh, and you 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 can like I'm not sure if this has happened before, but it's pretty clear that there isn't. I don't know if there would be a way for anybody to contact our main character now within the resistance. Um, and one thing that I thought was really interesting, and this is maybe going off on a tangent that we can loop back around to if we need to, but um, it seemed as though, and I'm gonna just ramble for a little bit um it seemed as though when our main character's mask got removed and he or she learned of what the first queen had done um it was almost like a new birth and then 
in that new birth, the first thing that our character saw happen was a life gets taken um, and, and taken in a permanent way, a way that right, a way that not even they they can't even be brought back. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you see our main character then go back into the world with that after destroying uh, his or her own masks, um, except for Pena's. Um, he goes back into the the very setting that he first left uh, as. Um, the the embodiment of whatever Pena was, the servant girl, um, and then brutally murders the person who um, was the the fiance, I guess, of uh, whatever character our character embodied. They're, they're um, basically, he he impersonated quote unquote as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, the servant girl who lured him into this world. Right. And it was the servant girl of his former lover, and he yeah. grabs a hammer and kills her kills her not just you know the the way that can be brought back to life like right permanently grabs the kills hammer her. strips off the mask and just bashes in her face um or his i guess at that point um and then the last line is pena also taught me to know who i am i am the chaos in this ordered society the flaw in a carefully wrought plan i am turbulence in the queen's eternal river goosebumps i love that last line oh my gosh that was amazing um but you can see that like all this newborn knows is chaos and violence and that's all it's gonna perpetuate from this point on um and who knows if that's like the resistance mode of operation probably not or else they've probably gotten caught already um but what'd you what'd you think about that whole ending there? So I really like the ending um, because I think when you have an evil society, it's really easy to be like evil society, bad, mm-hmm. main alternative, good. That's right. that's how it tends to go. And right. and while we don't really know what the resistance is like, because you know, uh, Pena got killed before she could show our main character what they were re- really all about. Um, we then see this person who is unbound from the society, just like the rest of their resistance are. But yeah. instead of doing constructive work, they do incredibly destructive and violent and just evil work, um, yeah. which which flies in the face of what the resistance is probably doing. But our character doesn't know that. Well, and you so, can see a lot of what the resistance, how the resistance operates. It's very calculated, very patient. You know, Pena talked about interacting with our character multiple times um, throughout the days leading up to it, maybe even weeks leading up to it. There's very, it's very calculated and thought through and absolutely not chaotic. At least that's how Pena embodies it. And that's mm-hmm. really our only insight into how the resistance is led. So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. But then, yeah, we get to see then this person who now knows the things that they know and does evil with it, mm-hmm. which I think is mm-hmm. interesting because it, the first, you know, it, 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 at the start of the story, we see this society and we're instinctually like, ooh, that's, that's bad. That's a bad society. And then we see that behind it are good intentions. And mm-hmm. then at the end of, uh, you know, at the end of the story, again, we see somebody who has the best intentions, or at least they were shown, uh, you know, they were shown the good in the world. And they used it for evil again, which it, it showed to me, you know, that like no one set of ideology or one idea or one strategy is all good or all evil. It has the possibility to be used for both. The queen had yeah. the best intentions and that went south and it went bad. And again, the resistance who is, you know, it has this opposite viewpoint from them has the right intentions, but it also has the power to be used for like evil and really bad things. Yeah, what's the chart that goes like chaotic, neutral, and I forget what the other one is, and it's like good, neutral, evil. Yeah, do you know what the, I'm talking about? Yeah, is, and they always it, have like Star Wars things on it. Oh yeah, it's 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 like it's, it's, it's from Dungeons and Dragons, and it's it's it? it's chaotic and law. It's chaotic, neutral, lawful, good, lawful. neutral, evil. Yeah, um, and so our our protagonist kind of um, at the end becomes. Uh, chaotic evil I would presume to present 
Uh, whereas Pena is a very probably neutral good, I think. Yeah, because because yeah, you know, to to cool tie that thing. back, yeah. So you know, she was a chaotic good basically. You know, she was she was doing good through chaos, uh, and then our main character takes that chaos and uses it to do bad in the same way that the society was founded on the idea of like this lawful orderly good mm-hmm. which was eventually used for like oppression lawful mm-hmm. you know like lawful evil and so there, there's two sides of the coin and neither of which is really black or white which i think is really interesting another thing i wanted to add about pena that i thought was really interesting was that she at one point embodied the um, fellow person to be slaughtered along with our character instead of one of the skinners yes Um, which also revealed a little bit about her character she says because to be with you i could either hurt you or be hurt and i chose not to hurt you Mm -hmm. i thought that was a really great line and um just showed a lot of really cool sacrifice on the part of somebody who doesn't actually fully know how this person is going to react yeah, they had the choice to either be skinned alive in order to make leather for the masks or be one of the people who does the skinning. And she chose to be a prisoner along with our and you know along with our protagonist. And yeah, I thought that that did show a lot about her character that she saw the good in people enough that she did that when she saw that there are people, real people underneath these masks she assumes the good in them and she assumed that our main character was a good person and you know felt that it would be bad to inflict harm upon them mm-hmm. and conversely our main character once they have this idea only sees the evil in people and assumes that they that they need to cause harm but you're mm-hmm. right it, it, it that it, that was very revealing that she decided to she could have taken the easy way out and just been the people who operate this laser cutter that you know just cuts you just completely open and flays you alive. And instead she chose to suffer in order to help further the cause of their resistance. Right. Yeah. Just a really cool moment. Um, The very last thing I wanted to talk about was just the juxtaposition of what it was like to have the mask and then what it was like to be without the mask. And so there were two things that I really picked up on. The first was the name, um, how they had this like, weird exchange about well why does a citizen need a name if he's just going to wear a different mask the next day um and then then she you know rebuttals with well streets have names shop shops have names um and there's this this neat interaction of you could see the gears turning of um i'm going from not having any identity whatsoever outside of masks to um well, at least not having an identity, but you, know, our character is absolutely questioning whether or not that's a good thing. Um, you know, trying to decide if he, if he or she even wants to wear the mask at the beginning of the day, and then moving towards, oh wait, like, what does that fully mean if people, if not everyone's wearing a mask? What, how does that impact society? Um, and it's pretty clear that you know you need names at that point, um, and you need personal names that set you apart from other people um you know if unlike the name like thomas brown where there's millions of them in the world (laughs) just kidding uh but you know names are an amazing thing the other thing you can feel free to comment Yeah. yeah no i don't i don't have anything to add to that i thought it was i thought it was really interesting how um yeah in their mind there was no reason to have any unifying characteristic because there's no crossover between who you Mm -hmm. are from day to day where Mm -hmm. from you know Pena's point of view knowing that there are you know human beings under these masks she feels like there needs to be a way to identify who you are at at your core and you know there's that awesome realization by the main character that there is something more than the masks yeah you know is this only it was this idea that they had that they didn't even really want to dwell on of like, what if I don't choose a mask today? Or I not, I don't, you know, having trouble choosing not because of indecision, but because all of the, all of the options just don't sound good to you. Right. And so, you know, there was little inklings of this idea, you know, before, but it was her who really brought forth this idea that there's more than just who you are when you're wearing the mask. And it was really interesting to see 
that idea develop in the character to the point to where at the end of it, they were very definitively had their idea of who they were. They started giving themselves names. I am the turbulence in the queen's unending river. I am the rod and a carefree. I am the flaw in a carefully wrought plan. They were giving themselves their own identity for the first time. Where before mm-hmm. the only way that they said that their main character self described was by the mask that they were wearing. And by the mm-hmm. end of the story, they're comfortable enough with this idea of self that they're assigning characteristics to themselves independently, which I thought was interesting. interesting. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. The other part that I thought was um, that the other difference between wearing the mask and not was I didn't even think about how there would be no facial expression when you're wearing the mask. And then it brings up like, uh, and then Pena curled her mouth and you could see all of her white teeth and um then later on the main character uh it goes and i attribute that to a positive emotion for some reason for some reason yeah (laughs) yeah they had to learn to read human expressions because they'd never seen that before yeah yeah whereas with the mask they they seem to have like a heightened sense of smell like i don't know about you but i don't smell people's pheromones at all um (laughs) so they it seems like they've traded one um i guess it's not a sense because they can still see but one awareness of the other of other um for a different awareness of other right yeah because by taking away the most expressive part of the human body with our faces they they had to come up with another way to understand intent and so yeah it was it was through pheromone and that was why you know they needed this the 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 queen's honey as they called it which was a which was a sexually arousing pheromone but even outside mm-hmm. of that they people smell angry or they smell happy or sad or concerned or impatient because you, when you're wearing a mask yeah you you can't tell that and so and when when the when the main character you know first sees Pena's face naked as they say mm-hmm. it um they're like completely just like repulsed like it's such a taboo that that just it's it not only is it bad to see but they said that that her her face was it moved too much it shouldn't move faces don't move (laughs) and i thought that was really interesting because to us human expression is very nuanced and and very small movements but in compared to nothing it it, it must have been this like grotesque exaggeration of expressions because they'd never seen anything like that before Right. And that's part of the reason why, you know, a little glimpse behind the scenes, you and I have the video on right now on Skype, uh, just so we can see each other's uh, reactions to what we're saying. um, So we don't have to constantly uh, audibly approve of the other person and that kind of thing. And we can just nod along and yeah. Um, yeah, you can, a lot you can there. see that I'm nodding along with you and mm-hmm. I don't have to be, I don't have to constantly be like, yep, uh-huh, I get, you know, because I would get obnoxious after a while. That's why we can <laughs> see each other. That's why webcams right. are a thing. Yeah. So I just thought that was cool. Um, so I like what, what were the like big highlight moments of this story for you and what were some of the things that you could have maybe gone without or maybe... Uh, you would have absolutely just ripped out of this tale. Um, I, big highlights, I think, is is the way that Yuji uh, Foster explored such a pretty simple concept to a really great extent. Hmm. This is one of those sci-fi stories that's incredibly easy to boil down to its simplest parts. And it's in the future. Everybody wears masks that change who they are as a person. And one person, our main character discovers that you know they have their mask taken off and they discover that there's people under there and it starts a revolution like that's a really easy pretty basic concept um but yuji really explores it in all these interesting ways you know from the big details to the small ones you know like the you know the mask makers don't wear masks and that's like repulsive and a taboo but that's the way that it works and she explores all these little details about you know like reading facial expressions and and you know uh, every time a new shipment of masks comes in, you know, you you try to figure out, you know, what each one means for the person who's wearing it and things like that. And so I love just how, how far, you know, how much she explores this, how much she explores this concept. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as dislikes, um, I felt like sometimes with this story, it it was it was being very vague and very artistic in a cool way that I liked, you know, without over explaining everything. 
But there were some bits that I remember my, my first time through reading I was a little bit confused about, and I had to go back and read through again. So I didn't really get the idea of, of like, you know, I didn't really pick up on the, the pheromone idea or, you know, the, the, the queen's honey idea and things like that until after I had almost finished the story. And mm-hmm. so I wish that there was a little bit more explanation to some of these concepts as they were introduced, as opposed to introducing them and then explaining them later on in the story. Um, I just felt like there were a few there were a few bits where I was a little bit unclear about exactly what concepts or a- ideas within the world, um, and of course they were explained later. You know, it's not like they were completely ignored, but I felt like the explanation could have been integrated a little bit more as they were introduced into the story. Right, I felt that way a bit about Queen's Honey. You know, in the first section, it kind of throttles you in, and you have no idea what they're talking about. Um, and then later on you find out, oh, okay, so it's this weird thing that they do. Great, got it. Um, that's a, that's yeah, an interesting point. Because I remember that, that very first passage, I didn't understand it at all until I had read the story. And then after I had read it, I went back and that passage made perfect sense. And I got everything that they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Or everything that she was talking about. Um, and so while I, I, I kind of I do appreciate that, and I thought it was cool to go back a second time, I just felt like that that scene would have had more impact the first time if I had had a little bit more background on the world before being thrown into it. And I, I, I wouldn't need a lot, you know, maybe just a couple paragraphs outlining, you know, just kind of hinting at what the honey is and hinting at this mask idea. Um, and then that and then I felt like that would have had a lot more impact as opposed to me having to circle back as the reader and read it again to understand it. Right, right. Well, to piggyback off that, I think my least favorite part was that opening scene. Um, I don't do, I don't do rape in stories. I don't do, uh, I, that, that just doesn't interest me. It's not something I like to, it's not something that I think should be used in a, um, like flippant way or a brash way. Uh, you know, and I get when the artist is trying to specifically point something out about some kind of sexual aggression. Um, but I don't, it, it really, I need to be aware that that's going to happen and I need to like prep myself for it. And coming into this story, like the whole scene was just weird and just threw me off right from the get go. And the first time I read it, I was like, this puts me in a weird place, uh, which is probably intended, but yeah, for me, I don't really do well with, um, that kind of thing. And it was, it was almost flipped on its head in a way. Like it was almost like, you know, the male figure, uh, the male mask was not quite, uh, I mean, you could absolutely aggressive, like doing, you know, uh, advancing when he shouldn't have been advancing and then but the real aggression actually came from the woman stabbing him which is great and you know, all for not letting that happen to a woman but um, you know if she's not down um, but yeah so that first scene for me was just really really abrupt and probably just my own issue um, with that kind of stuff but that's that was probably my lowest point I think my highest point was how the how uh, the resistance was fleshed out without ever actually s- super directly naming what the resistance was all about. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we really only directly got the information about um, how messages are transferred, which I thought was a really great little piece to that. Um, and, and how the structure was all organized with the mentor and recruit. Um, and that was really it. And you had to really infer a lot of things from context and from one source being Pena. And you don't really, uh, there's obscurity there and there's uh, intrigue in, you know, I kind of walked away from it like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if they were able to ever contact this rogue member of their resistance. And, um, just just little puzzles like that I always really latch on to in a good story. So yeah. that was my high point. I loved I loved the way that, that Yuji kind of 
insinuated the idea of the resistance and gave us a, a, a glimpse into it enough that we understood the way that it worked, but without over-explaining it and, and, while, mm-hmm. and leaving it as this mysterious shadowy force, which I think is the cool thing about a resistance movement is that they're not organized. They're not, they don't have a center of operations that's open to the public. It, it leaves it as this kind of shadowy dagger that's hidden within a cloak ready to strike at any time. And I, I love the way that that was portrayed in the story. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Alec. So I really enjoyed talking through this story, which I'm not going to say the title because it's absurdly long. I got you. Sinner Baker, Sinner Baker, Fabulous Priest, Red Mask, Black Mask, Gentleman Beast. I you love that it rhymes. I love it. It has the, the title, even though it's long, it has such a great flow to it and it has kind of a rhythm. Ah, I love I love the title of the story, even though it's a pain in the neck to ever type out. I will let you handle that every single time because <laughs> i will absolutely mess that up thank you every i appreciate that um so i really enjoyed talking through this with you it was a fun one um i i loved the story and thought it was super neat and and different which is not always what you get um so next time we're gonna talk about v for vendetta that's right going we're... on this same dystopian little trail here yeah we're gonna talk about v for vendetta uh the movie version uh, maybe one day we'll circle her back around and do the, the graphic novel version but for right now we're going to talk about the movie adaption <laughs> so uh if you would like to get in touch with us um if you want to get in touch with the podcast at least uh we have a twitter account uh, that is at ir2 podcast on twitter uh, you can send us your feedback there. You can talk to us, tell us that you think the episode sucks or tell us that you want us to review your favorite book or movie or whatever. Uh, you can reach us there. And additionally, if you, you know, if you're really mad at us and you can't fit your angry thing into 140 characters, we also have an email address. Uh, you can email us uh, at ir2.podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, if you, if you send us anything, we will totally read it and talk about it on the air. You know, if you have any critiques or any ideas about whatever it is that we're discussing of your own, uh, absolutely. Please send that to us. Uh, we'd be happy to read those and, uh, and kind of discuss any ideas that you may have, uh, that we didn't come up with about the stuff that we're talking about. So again, that email address is ir2.podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you want to look uh, look me up on the Twitter sphere, I am at Thomas K. Brown. Um, and guys, we really do want to continue this. Uh, we don't want to be the only voices on this podcast. Well, at least maybe we're the only voices on this podcast. But we'd love to continue the conversation. Uh, but guys, really hit us up. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts, your disagreements, your agreements, your uh, qualms and all that. So I will see you on the internets. Yeah. And if you want to find me on the internets, uh, personally, uh, I am on Twitter as well. Uh, I am at Padawan Novelist. That is at P-A-D-A-W-A-N-O-V-E-L-I-S-T at Padawan Novelist. Uh, I tweet a lot. So if you want to see a bunch of stuff that I tweet about, you can follow me on twitter that's what the website is for uh and guys if you love hearing us beautiful nerds talk to you and each other beautiful nerds um a lot more then please 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 rate us on itunes it does worlds of good things for uh getting more attention to this podcast continuing the conversation with far more people um and you'll hear more amazing really obscure stories like this one if you go do that if you go do that we might just keep doing cool stuff uh yeah we really can't emphasize just how much a a five-star rating on itunes helps us out um itunes is all about those ratings and so uh, if you really like the show, you want to see it grow, uh, absolutely please, uh, you know, rate us on iTunes, uh, you know, share it with your friends and your family and shout your it dog. from your dog, shout it from the rooftops, people on the streets, uh, you know, and, uh, but yeah, ra- rating us is incredibly helpful. And if you know anybody who you think would like the show, absolutely. We please encourage you to share it with them. Um, and also if you have any suggestions, if you want us to review something, if you have an idea of something that you think that we should talk about, absolutely send it our way. Uh, we will take it into consideration and probably do it and get back to you with the podcast. All right, guys. We'll see ya. Bye.
No. What do you think? Uh, have you ever seen V for Vendetta? Yeah, absolutely. I'm okay. so down for that. Let's do it. The cool. movie. V for Vendetta it is. It's on Netflix, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we'll do. Sweet. Well, Alex, that that was a lot of fun. Alex. about... Thomas. Thomas. Come on. I see he's hanging his head in shame. Don't put that in. Don't put that in.